Welcome to The Story Tinker, a place for in-depth analysis of stories, including Midnight Poppyland, Purple Hyacinth, and more. Co-hosted by sharp, witty, and dare I say, thirsty fans, we dive deep into every episode, analyzing character, relationship development, and plot theories. You can follow The Story Tinker on all podcast platforms and videos of most episodes on YouTube. You can also follow The Story Tinker on Instagram and Facebook. If you'd like weekly bonus content, sneak peeks, and more, you can support The Story Tinker on Patreon. Thanks for listening to The Story Tinker, and let's get started. Hi, everyone, and welcome to episode nine of Purple Hyacinth, Unexpected in uh, Uprising. <laughs> Sorry, I keep thinking Unexpected Encounter. So we left off with the, um, the man starting the riot, basically, in the center, and where Lauren has spotted the devious, devilish Kieran with his smirk in the crowd. <laughs> and we have the man on the statue, and there's clearly um, a parallelism. The woman is holding up the, you know, the, the, the torch of liberty or justice of righteousness or something like that. We don't know exactly what it is because it's not the Statue of Liberty <laughs> that we have in America, but, you know, it's probably something similar. And the man is directly paralleling that, that motion. So he wants to appear as though he's petitioning for justice and morality and we're going to learn a little bit more about this throughout this episode but that's the image he wants to represent and he is riling up the crowd he says last night the purple hyacinth reappeared is this really the protection our city deserves and you know the crowd is agreeing with him he's right they're useless lauren is in shock outrageous what do we pay them for uh pretty scary to hear as a police officer you know to hear your your force being denigrated and um abused in a in a very contentious um scary crowd i would imagine that's very scary to, to feel when you're outnumbered by the crowd and they're angry at you and he says in a, one single night the purple hyacinth took two victims right across the street from each other and they still couldn't catch him and the people are angry they're upset two valued and respected citizens who will it be next your wives your children the phantom scythe has dominated our city for the past decade it's only a matter of time before they attack the royal family and destroy everything king philip built which is interesting that, you know, um, there is the sense, at least so in some circles, that King Philip actually did something good. So we do learn later a little bit more about the difference between King Edward and King Philip. But at least in the way this man is presenting it, he has a positive or he's presenting a positive view that King Philip did something good. And, you know, you have now you, you see this image of the the, the the police force the the patrol unit <clears throat> vastly outnumbered by an anonymous mob you know they're all in black um there are a lot more of them and it looks and they're rumbling so it's a pretty scary moment for them he said the police are supposed to protect you but they're just parading in the streets like peacocks and he's pointing at them i mean that's instigating violence in my opinion not very responsible they could be arresting the culprits responsible for those atrocities Instead, the purple hyacinth monster is still running free. And does he know how true his words are? I mean, this is just a stab at Lauren's heart. This is exactly what she's thinking. I, I keep saying it like every single podcast, but it's so true about the story. Irony, irony, irony. He's he the is. topic of the discussion. He's the topic of the riot. And he's just sitting there chilling. <laughs> no, just, uh, and the amount of times we hear this man be called a monster is very interesting interesting yeah they really do pound that that title in for the first couple chapters it is monster 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 oh yeah 
Oh boy, and now you see his finger directly pointing at, you know, our three favorites. Uh, well, Lucas is there, but yeah, Will, Lucas, and, Lucas and, and another uh, person. <laughs> right, and Lauren. They've been chasing the leader, one man for a decade. They don't have a single clue who he is. And oh dear, we have a guy lifting up his cane. How can we trust them? For shame, for all we know, some of them might be working for the Phantom Scythe. Aren't you tired of being afraid to leave your homes? I mean, he's really instigating this. And meanwhile, Lauren is just looking at our Kieran boy in the face, and he is still smirking. There's a bow in his hair, I think, right? Do y'all see that? It looks like a bow in the back yeah, of his hair. Yeah, I see it. <laughs> uh, just at the same time of being like mad at his obnoxiousness, you just also got to admire his fashion sense. <laughs> he is. He is a fashion icon. You scroll through the entire oh. comic, and I'm just like, screenshot, screenshot, screenshot. <laughs> <laughs> no, I don't think this man has ever looked bad in a panel in his oh. damn life. I mean, even I, the blood brings out his complexion. So honestly, it brings I, out his eyes. Oh no, no. no. There's, there's some there's some very graphic, horrible shots later on in the comic that I don't that's I just feel pity. I don't feel admiration don't for his fashion there. But yeah. Uh, besides for those. <laughs> But yeah, I mean, and you know, Meg, when I was reading your novel, I didn't notice that he was wearing like a full tie and a red suit, a red, a red uh, vest underneath too. I mean, this man is fully dressed. Uh, yeah. And <laughs> I, I like that, because um, honestly, like you think about it from her perspective, the last time she saw him, he was, you know, open chest, got, he's got that, that, that cloak, the blood was everywhere. And now she looks normal. I mean, I think about that kind of contrast. You see this guy, a murderer, and now he just looks normal. I, I would, that would disturb me. Yeah. It's even more disturbing. It, since he looks so hidden, he's hidden in plain sight. But the thing is, he looks so normal mm -hmm. that since you wouldn't think of him as a murderer, at times you'd think, if I didn't know you were a murderer, you'd be hot. Like... <laughs> Yeah, I'd be asking for your number. <laughs> yeah, it's like, that's kind of scary. Mm -hmm. Right? You never know what lurks underneath a pretty face. <laughs> mm -hmm. <sighs> oh, gosh. And, you know, both Will, Will Lauren's like, Lauren's like whipping around. It looks, and she thinks to herself, all I have to do is shout. Tell the others I recognize him from last night. And we have the man continuing to yell, the killing machine could be anywhere, creeping up behind your back to slit your throat. And again, there he is, and his, his mouth opens. Like before he was smirking, now his mouth opens. How many more deaths before this bloody abomination is arrested? You know, it's also interesting, like Kieran is able to kind of tune out the negative things he's hearing about him and just continue to smirk at her. It's, it's a skill. Um, you wonder like how often he's heard of himself being referred to as a monster that it just goes in one ear and out the other. And you also get this sense watching the scene, you know, those uh, in the romantic um, stories and that kind of thing, people are like, oh, I was the only person in the room. I feel like Lauren and Kieran are having like a totally not that moment, but yes, that moment, they feel like she zoned in on him, he zoned in on her and everybody else just kind of disappears. And it's not obviously romantic, but it's, you know, kind of like that. Yeah. That You're the next time they'll have this feeling. You're the only one in the room to me for all the wrong reasons. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes, I like that. <laughs> mm. Oh my God. And then oh. he says, oh, he says, I dare you. Oh my God, Kieran. Oh. I dare you. I am the aggravating this of this guy. 
<laughs> really? You thought that was aggravating? That's not my first uh, thought. Oh, what, what was your first thought, Meg? <laughs> I think oh, you know. No. <laughs> <laughs> no, see, my first thought was, you cheeky bastard. I am... Yep. the nerve the absolute nerve you have to go up to a cop who knows your identity as a serial killer i dare you i'm Bruh. i think that's the moment where i fell in love with kieran honestly. <laughs> <laughs> definitely has a strong personality it is very attractive i agree with that um he's got yeah. a lot of self-confidence Whew. And but Lorian has my reaction. She's she grimaces. She's grits her teeth. She is a fuming at him. She's she thinks to herself, this might be our only chance at catching him. And then she starts, she starts saying something. She says, huh. and then the guy says, he could be anywhere, anyone. The disguise is one of us innocent citizens. Oh, that's another. Actually, it's a it's a regular different guy saying this. And then they start pointing at each other. One guy just points at anyone. He says, She's right, everyone is suspect. Oh, it was a woman, sorry, saying that. And um, he says, you, I saw you leaving your house last night about one in the morning. Where are you going, huh? And he's like, what? Are you seriously insinuating I could be the purple hyacinth? Have you lost your mind? So this is like, it's showing um, a breakdown in societal trust where they are accusing each other and they're getting paranoid. It's, mm -hmm. it's a really bad sign when people do that, that to each other. I mean, this is reflective of a lot of like autocratic societies or societies with like a high level of like secret police it's not good when people start ratting each other out and suspecting each other. Oh, I just had a thought. This whole, like, the whole mob mentality that's going on here, it's kind of, it just, like, reminds me a little bit of, like, kind of Salem witch trials a little bit, where just anyone is a suspect, and if you say one thing, they will turn on you, and it is interesting. I find it fascinating to just see how easily people will turn on each other. I didn't think about that. That is, yeah. But I, I like the panic in the crowd, like showing that realistic, like how would you react if there was this serial killer just waltzing around the town and the police couldn't pin him down and haven't been able to pin down hardly anyone for 10 years? I mean, I, I don't know what my reaction would be. I'd like to think I'd be civil. <laughs> no, it's terrifying. I, yeah. You might not accuse a random person, but it is frightening oh, yeah. you know you have no security i mean i definitely wouldn't be going out at night mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. i mean i don't go out at, 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 i don't go out at night as it is so <laughs> that part wouldn't change yeah they just i mean the guy gets physical he grabs the other guy by the stuff of his his collar and he's like we always knew you were dirty why don't you fess up <laughs> that's that's as bad this is a bad and lauren thinks to herself she's like shit where is he because she lost him and, and then the other guy smashes him in the face with his his uh his cane he's like let go of me you bastard um and then you know now she says the same words about <clears throat> about kieran she's like no that bastard he can't away that easily she's trying to find him but meanwhile the crowd is just devolved into violence they're hitting each other and the man on top of the tower on top of the statue is watching all this and you see him smirk mm. i have a couple thoughts here yeah um well first off I think that was one of the biggest tip-offs to me about Lauren's character when I first read this chapter was instead of immediately dashing after the purple hyacinth, she actually focuses on the crowd around her and does her job, which 
I mean, I thought that was impressive. I was fully expecting her to go tearing off in the crowd after Kieran when I first saw this. And I was just like, here we go. We got confrontation time. And she didn't. So that was a surprise to me. And then also the guy on the statue, he doesn't smirk. He's not looking at the crowd when he smirks. We see the police chief pull up and that's when he smirks. He's not looking at the crowd or the chaos he's causing. He's looking at the police chief, like object achieved. He's here. Interesting. I didn't think about that. I thought he was just like happy at the chaos he had achieved. And I thought that kind of, I kind of assumed we'll we'll learn more about him later, which we haven't yet at, you know, we're up to episode 88. We still haven't learned who he is, but that's interesting. I never thought about it, that he's smirking at the police chief. What do you think? What do you think his motives were? I attention, obviously, but to, to see that he got the police chiefs, um, but we don't, we still don't know enough. That's the frustrating thing. We don't know who's involved, who's not involved or what the agenda was to getting the big shots to get here. But that looks like it was his goal because when he's smirking, he's the, the, the panel is he's turned towards the vehicle that's pulled up. So mm-hmm. yeah. I think it could maybe be, he wanted to incite chaos. And um, once the police chief, chief showed up, I feel like maybe he wanted the people to feel like a false sense of security to like say, oh yeah, he's going to make, the police will make everything better. Everything's okay. And then the Phantom Scythe will proceed to take that away right after. But you got to wonder if this guy was acting on his own or if he was ordered to do this because it, I mean, he tried to incite a riot. So what was the point of that? I mean, I understand why it had to happen for the plot, but I mean, did the leader instruct him to do this? Did a, an apostle tell him to do this? Like, what, why? Just the rabble rouser wanted the police to get beat up. Like. But that didn't happen either. And no. the point seemed to be to get the police chief there, which he succeeded in. He was happy about that. So I don't know what the point of this attempted riot was, if, if it didn't actually happen or what was the point. Yeah, because the only thing I can think of is just pure fear-mongering. Yeah. That's, that's, good. that's a pretty important objective. Mm-hmm. well hopefully we'll find out i assume he'll come back <laughs> so we have the you know will you kind of see through the perspective of the crowd facing the police with will looking a bit shocked in the middle and he's like shit and then he says come on team move and it's just a very dramatic moment to, you know lauren nods like you said instead of running after him she they start to try to calm the crowd down and separate people who are fighting and you know they're like no no you'll get off the bastard right they want to keep fighting um he's like uh you know he needs one of the guys needs Lauren in the chin if she hasn't had enough physical abuse already <laughs> and then you see in the midst of all this chaos you see a step a shoe which is a little scuffed on bottom I just noticed <laughs> and um and then you see somebody you know from the side looking and with this shock at the person who's coming and then Lauren says, what? And it's, you see from the back again, all these like little moments, it's just building up suspense in terms of like introducing this figure. You know, we see a, his shoe, his side, his Lauren reacting to him and then just the back and um, guy in a uniform. And he yells, order. <laughs> and now we see this guy in a beautiful outfit, clearly uh, distinguished. <laughs> In, in rank and he says ladies gentlemen please I see that you are worried and I understand your dissatisfaction which is 
in terms of speaking to a crowd validation, address, saying, I understand your concerns, your fears are justified, very important. You can't just negate people's feelings. And he's standing there, he looks very regal, and it says, we, this is Chief Kristen, uh, Tristan Sinclair, head of the Autolis Police Department. And then right away we find out Lauren's his uncle, so this is her uncle. And he said, as you, sir, you said, sir, this criminal organization has been allowed to run free for too long. I promise you, you are not the only ones feeling frustrated. Each one of us here has a family to protect. All of us, officer and civilian, want to purge this evil that has tarnished our city. And as chief of police, I personally assure you, we prize your well-being and your safety above everything else. And he's, he has a little reassuring smile here. And the crowd is listening. You know, one people are like, chief, maybe he's right. And Lauren's smiling very proudly. She says, uncle's always had a way with words, always there to save the day. So I, we, we've talked about like, you know, Tristan and over the course of the story, we kind of like gone back and forth about like what we feel about Tristan. But I read these words again, very carefully to try to understand, to see, was there anything that could be avoiding saying a lie in front of Lauren? Was there anything that could reveal any mm, imperfect motives or divided loyalties? It, I don't see it. What do you guys see? Yeah. yeah, I just, well, the reason why if he's, because we read down a little farther um, and we'll get to it at that point, but it's kind of, you know, a uh, part of this, when he said, when he lies and says, I know you must be right. And that's a lie. And we know, okay, so he doesn't entirely believe in her lie detecting abilities. So why would he avoid saying a lie or purposely do lies of omission if he doesn't actually believe she can hear the difference? Mm -hmm. I mean, he wouldn't. True. True, that's a very good point. Yeah, because mm -hmm. yeah, all... From all what I get here is basically just, um, yeah, because all since none of it is a lie, it's basically just um, he feels frustrated and he understands. And then, of course, like each one of us ha here has a family pr to protect. His family would be Lauren in that case. So if we were going with a maybe he has something to hide. His, basically just his intention is to protect Lauren at the end of the day. Yeah. And so right off, I mean, even at this point, we still don't know what he is or isn't involved in, but I mean, from what you said that he sounds sincere, he sounds like he cares. And PS, when he, when I first saw that, I wanted him to look like Tom Selleck so bad. <laughs> Tom Selleck? Who's that? Sorry. Um, he's an actor who um, is very famous in Hollywood, but he's currently acting on a show as a, as a, um, you know, as in a New York City um, police show, as like the head of the department, the, the police chief. So I was scrolling through, I was like, please look like Tom Selleck, please look, nope. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah, I see. Okay, I see who that is, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh i know him he's from three guys three girls and a guy two guys and a baby yeah okay anyway so um and you see here that lauren is very fond of her uncle she has this little affectionate grin on her face and her uncle you know they're always there to save the day that's kind of like the role he's played in her life so you right away see that there's a good relationship between them that she is proud of him and she feels safe with him 
And so she continues, she thinks, and yet here we are talking about ending the Phantom Scythe while its bloodiest assassin stands amongst us enjoying the show. And she turns away and he continues, this morning, the king's right hand, um, right hand, Sir Ramzel, 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 came to speak with me to establish a plan of action, which just saying, nice to know, <laughs> steps will be taken and we will release our plans to the public as soon as possible. Uh, but fellow citizens, if we truly want to rid ourselves of the Phantom Scythe, we must unite our forces and not give way to such discord between us, which is a very nice message. <sighs> and then the guy on the statue says his lie. He says he's right. None of us here is part of that filthy organization. Mm-mm. Uh-oh. And he says we must not stoop to their level, which is interesting. That's true. Like, that's, a, that's an interesting thing to be true. <laughs> like, who is he? You know? Mm-hmm. Um, maybe he's oh, not in the Phantom Scythe if he, but maybe he's knows that people are the Phantom Scythe. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Well, I was thinking he was kind of talking from the perspective when he says that uh, we must not stoop to our level. The, the message or the agenda of the Phantom Scythe at this point is um, they don't, like things are messed up. Things need to be fixed. So from his perspective, they're the good guys. So from his perspective, we must not stoop to their level. That's true from his perspective, just not in the way that we think it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It could also be like the, like the Phantom Scythe has pretty much established, they will do whatever is necessary to get what they want for their goal. And maybe it's kind of like, um, don't stoop to their level, which is do anything, everything you can to get what you want or something. I don't know. Hmm. Yeah, and Lauren picks up on this. She's like, wait, how did he know? And she's like, no, he couldn't have. That would mean, meaning she's, she first thinks, oh, did he know the Phantom Scythe? But the, the Purple Hyacinth was here. Then she rejects that. And she said that would mean and then Tristan continues, yes, and we must all stand together. Otherwise, we are no better than those worthless criminals. Remember, we're here to protect you, and we are listening. Make sure to report any information you think could be useful to the police. Please disperse and go about your business. Thank you. And that guy is just smiling, and he says, of course, I'm at your service, sir. Thank you. So, no, he's not at his service. That's mm-hmm. a lie. And Lauren the is just shocked again. Yeah, and people are dispersing. She's looking again, and she has her eye on this man, and she is so frustrated because, once again, she has an ability, and she's trying to use it, and, we'll, and well, we'll see in a second. She says, that man, and he's a Phantom Scythe member, <clears throat> and she, um, Will runs up to Tristan. He says, sir, thank you so much. You just diffused a riot. We're the only patrol unit on the scene. I don't know what and then Tristan is very gracious. He says, it's my job. We're here to maintain peace. We should never answer with violence unless absolutely avoidable. And that's very admirable. It's nice to hear the chief of police say that. I think it's great. So um, he said, but you said your unit was here. Have you seen my niece? Right, so he's attentive, right? He knows Will and he knows <laughs> you know, where his niece is. And she is still caught up. She's like, uncle, that man, we can't let him go. We must interrogate him. And he's just, doesn't even respond he's like lauren how lovely to see you <laughs> takes off his mask he's a big smile but then he does say why do you say that and she thinks to herself because we've just been fooled in the most humiliating way possible but she has learned to modulate you know and to try to express her lie detecting the things that she learns in a more rational way in a way that other people can understand she says he almost started a riot you can't let him off the hook that easily but will says something and he's like the trust that people have in us is getting more fragile each day we must show them with that we're on our side their side arresting someone like him would be like throwing oil on fire which i think is very politically correct like he's i think it's politically smart 
he understands human nature and how people work. And I think it's, he's 100% accurate. Oh, I just wanted to add something here. Like going back to the couple panels where he's just kind of like, hi, Lauren, how lovely to see you. It's, I kind of like the little detail where he says that when he takes off the mask and it's kind of like, he takes it off and it's like, oh, hi, I'm your uncle. And then he puts it back on and he's the chief again. It's kind of, it's a nice little detail. That is a nice detail. It's like eye contact. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And he agrees. He says, I'm afraid Lieutenant Hawks is right. And Lauren tries to convince them. She's like, I'm, I know this is a delicate situation, but what if the speech was a distraction to draw attention from something else, like involvement with the Phantom Scythe? And she stammers as she says it because she knows that she doesn't have a lot of credibility to back that. And she, she wants to say it. And like, you get this, her sense of frustration that this is something that she always has to deal with where she knows something and she has to try to communicate it to people in a way that they'll listen and then they don't. And then she's frustrated. And he says, huh, you know, he laughs, he laughs at her. I mean, that's bad. We can't arrest people without due cause, you know that. And it's 100% true, but it's super frustrating for her. We could keep it in a 48 hour hold, but that would just anger the people more than anything else. And she, then she says, like the truth comes out. She says, he lied earlier, I know it. He's, and at this point, Tristan, you know, basically is like, Lauren, I know you must be right. In like this weary, resigned, a little bit slightly patronizing way. He's, he's you know, <laughs> Uh, yeah it's, it's very interesting to me like that he doesn't believe her you know he, he's heard it all before mm -hmm. yeah I don't know I feel like I get the sense that maybe he kind of thinks that she has some kind of sensitivity but maybe she's not foolproof like I don't think he completely discredits her but I think he just doesn't he, he doesn't have that absolute that he doesn't believe it with absoluteness that she does and that, that's the sense I get, at least. Which is kind of funny to me. Yeah, I, I get that too. But I think it's kind of funny because from this point, I mean, he's he's kind of raised this girl. And if I was a kid and I could detect lies, I would be flaunting that at every opportunity. And because she is always right, it's always accurate. If I was her guardian or her caregiver and she was constantly picking me out, I would probably believe that over the course of a couple of years. So I think it's kind of funny that he doesn't because, I mean, she's been flaunting it. She makes no effort to hide this ability of hers. So yeah, I, I really, I do agree with you. I understand. Maybe we'll learn more. <laughs> so we our eyes are for everything. Maybe we'll learn more later. <laughs> That's what it is. <laughs> right. But also, I mean, there's a very strong sense that people don't, not everybody, but for people who don't believe in the supernatural, they just don't believe in the supernatural. Like they're not gonna, it's, it's just, it doesn't factor into their life. Like it's, it's an impossible thing for them. So they're like, it just can't be like, I just wouldn't believe it. I mean, that's the perspective I have at least. Like if somebody tells me I saw a ghost, I'm like, you didn't see a ghost. It's just, it's not part of my worldview. It's not possible. So I can see that being part of his perspective. Yeah. Yeah. And so but, I think sorry, that Karen does believe in the supernatural then. <laughs> I Confirm, I mean, Karen believes in ghosts. <laughs> well, she does explain it to him, right? See, she, so, and it's not supernatural, her explanation. But, anywho, yeah, good point. So, he says, now is not the time, and you know better than anyone that to open an investigation, we must have solid proof. And this is all good police practice. I mean, you, you can't go, you know, accusing people based on something that nobody else knows. Your hunches can't overrule the law, remember? And, you know, this poor girl, like, she's, 
She says, I understand you're right. And he says, I'm sorry, Lauren, I do believe in you, which is why, you know, this is the positive part. I do believe in you. He may not believe that ability, but he believes in her as a person. And he's like, all we can do is keep an eye out on him for, you know, in case of future disturbances. And then he says, do you think I have a meeting to attend? See you tonight, Lauren. Have a good day, officers. And this overall impression of, of Tristan is a very, a competent person, a person who's good with words, a caring person, sensitive, good with people. I get a very good overall impression of him. Which I find very interesting because I also got a very good impression from him. But I know a lot of people when they read this, they're just like suspicion to the max. <laughs> because when anything's too good, like it's too good to be true, he's a bad guy. Yeah. <laughs> She's like, all right, now what's wrong with you? I need to know. <laughs> Well, at this point, we don't have many options for suspicious people. So like new character, suspicious. <laughs> True. True. Yeah. And I have to say uh, his beard is also a little wonky to me. So I'm like, eh. <laughs> that was my first thought. I was like, eh, bad beard. Oh, really? I like that guy. Oh, listen, he's I love stressed. Beards. He has a stressful job. <laughs> <laughs> no, I love beards. I love beards. I really do. But it's just, it's, I thought that it was like kind of a joke the way they drew it on. Cause it's just like pencil, 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 pencil. I don't know. It's just like, it just was weird to me. <laughs> Yeah, the was, art has different... changed a little bit over time. I've noticed that. Yeah. I mean, it looks good throughout. It's just you know small differences. Um, just one little thing on what you said uh, when you read um, that he believes in her. I think it's nice. He believes in her, in her despite her ability. Like he just believes in her, just Lauren, without any supernatural winky wonky whatever. He just believes in her, and I think honestly that's more special than if he you know than if he knew she had that ability. He it's just her. Yeah. Oh, I love him. He's a good thing. guy. Yeah. Unless I'm proven wrong. <laughs> <laughs> oh, don't tear our hearts apart, please. Open F, please. <laughs> yeah, bet. <laughs> oh. <laughs> yeah. Uh, we all say, have a good day, sir. They salute him. She says, see you tonight, Uncle Tristan. And then she just sits there. She has this bitter, bitter grimace on her face. And she thinks, all those years I spent refining my analytical skills just to prove my hunches to others, which, you know, this is interesting. Like she knew she had to present it in a way that other people could understand. Working and working to make detective and join the investigation unit so that I could finally put my ability to use and make a difference. But all that for what? For everything to be completely undone by a single mistake. And she, she clenches her fist. Right now, my ability is useless. I knew there were two fragrant criminals in this crowd. I couldn't do anything about it. They're right. The police are powerless. Poor, poor girl. It's tough. The Phantom Sites members walk the city freely, knowing we're too scared to arrest them. No matter how fiercely we fight, they're always one step ahead. We are ridiculous. Mm. And, you know, Meg, I have to say, when I was reading your novelization, I really understood better her thought process and why this episode would lead to what happens shortly in tonight. Mm-hmm. I, did, I didn't quite see the connection so clearly, but reading your, your thought explanation helped me. Yeah. Oh, thanks. I'm glad. <laughs> frustrated. She is yeah. frustrated. Oh, yeah. Because I just love the, for some reason, I just find this line so powerful. She's like, we are ridiculous. It's, she is, the amount that you had to be fed up, that you called your whole, your entire job ridiculous. She feels that, I kind of just get the feeling that she's like, she kind of agrees with the guy who said they parade around like peacocks. They look like fools because 
they get nothing. They have nothing to go on and they still act like they have the power. They don't, they have nothing. Yeah. It's like the perspective of our record and staying clean and looking pretty is more important than these victims that are dying. Like our protocol is more important than, you know, than this crime that's happening, which protocol is important. It's there for a reason, but from her perspective, she's like, we're losing more than we're gaining by trying to do it the right way. And it's, it's a pessimistic mm -hmm. outlook, but I, I think that's how she's looking at it. She's just, she's gotten cynical at this point. She's like, what point is the rules if we can't catch the bad guys? Yeah. I don't, I don't hear, we don't hear her thought process about like the rules, but we just do know that whatever the police are doing is not effective. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. And it's kind of just, I can understand because it's because from episode three, when he makes uh, the proposition to her, it's kind of just, she thinks of it as outlandish to ever think of doing, but then clearly from the story, she turns turns around her thought process and this is honestly a really good way to understand her thought process on why she takes such drastic measures because mm -hmm. she feels powerless there she feels there's nothing else she can do this is the only way so it's just a really good way to you can kind of grasp grasp her thought process and how she feels yeah. desperation makes people do crazy things mm -hmm. And that's exactly what she starts thinking. She remembers the purple hyacinth. She says, he belongs behind bars and that's exactly where I should send him. And the image she remembers is where he said, I have no regrets or it was a lie. So I think that is the, that to me is one of the most crucial images of this whole moment, of this whole story, where it shows us that there's a soul inside there. And she thinks back to that. I think that's that's a key moment for her to say, I could trust this guy to some extent. If he would have if he would have shown zero humanity, I don't know if she would have been able to partner with him. But she remembers that moment where he where he confessed to her basically that he does regret what he does. And I think that allows her to say, Okay, you know what? I could form some kind of partnership with this guy. She says, But last night he was honest with me. And the scary thing is he might be right. I find it very funny that so many people in her life lied to her on a regular basis. She's like her job. She's surrounded by people who are lying. And the fact that this guy right here, you who you'd think would be the last person to ever tell her the truth was more honest with her. Just, oh. <laughs> <laughs> that's what we do we have a starry night and we go into we see that it's midnight this beautiful brit this tower gorgeous buildings and she says she thinks he might be my only chance at finding the leader and then tick, it's midnight and it's nothing else and guess where she is waiting on that bridge her wind her hair is whipping in the wind she says i owe it to him to try and she turns around and we have the stepping of the forward of the foot. And there's Mr. Snazzly dressed, same outfit as he was before. <laughs> Mr. Assassin himself with that smile. He has made the decision. Yeah. Yep. It kind of feels like the end of an arc, honestly. Like we're on yeah. to the next stage of the story. Like this is, this is the moment. And if it's okay, I love 
my uh, um, the last line in that chapter when I when I went over that it says after all if you want to invade hell you might have to get the keys from the devil himself yeah that was a great line good one Meg I highly recommend y'all read Meg's novel it's very very good I've been trying for like the past couple minutes to like open this ginger ale and I can't (laughs) (laughs) honey can you please (laughs) thank you sorry (laughs) i'm sure at some point in this episode kieran will open up a pickle jar for lauren (laughs) yes (laughs) plot twist she needs to open it for him because his hands are covered in blood oh i'm sorry i'm sorry oh no (laughs) i just I, again, I keep going back to her thought process. It's it's so good because I can understand how she would kind of feel. Like she doesn't say this explicitly, at least in this episode, I don't, I don't believe. But she, you can understand, you, you know that she kind of feels she's making a deal with the devil. Mm-hmm. And it's kind of, the sad fact is she believes this is the lesser of an evil instead of sitting back and doing nothing like that look that she has too like she turns around it's almost like that panel here that that panel Mm -hmm. um where she's just looking around and she kind of like she looks kind of sad she looks like just like I don't know like we said we don't know her thought process but I was just kind of like from that look it's more of like I can't believe I'm doing this wow I'm doing this why am I doing this but she's desperate so even if she's disappointed in herself she's got to do what she's got to do And it all goes back to her obsession. I owe it to him to try. At the end of the day, it's always about Dylan. Dylan, Dylan, Dylan. I mean, she has has not gotten over it. That is her primary motivator. More than, than, you know, defeating the Phantom Scythe for the sake of, like, protecting the people of Rod Hollis. It's all about Dylan. Mm -hmm. As he said, it's personal for her. That's really powerful, though. Like, that, she lost him when she was a child. Just that kind of friendship is what's driven her to even through adulthood. Like, that's amazing. That's quite the bond. Yeah. Also, it's, I think it might be a little bit as well as uh, that survivor's guilt is real strong here. Yeah. That's a good point. Very much. Ouch. Yeah. Uh, and I mean it's a beautiful scene I love it I can't wait for the next episode Kieran he approaches with a smile his shoulders are back he's walking confidently no I mean like he's not he doesn't have his weapon out he's not looking around for like you know a a squadron of police you know hiding behind the lamp he's confident (laughs) like did she bring I wonder if he checked to see if it was a trap first or if he just like waltzed up I hope he checked because I think Hopefully. it would be pretty dumb if you wouldn't, but yeah. yeah. <laughs> I hope they both checked. I mean, I, Lauren for sure was suspicious, so I, I assume she did. But um, yeah, we we hope Kieran does <laughs> also. <as well. laughs> I don't know. I don't know, Meg. I mean, you might find him very attractive if he doesn't do it, you know, <laughs> that cockiness. <laughs> what are you yeah. trying to say? What are you trying to say? <laughs> Nothing. Nothing. That's what I'm trying to say. <laughs> you can enjoy him. You know, we have the beautiful blue eyes right judge here. You. <laughs> I don't judge you. I don't judge. I like Karen. I just love the fact that he has, like, he walks up, 
so confidently. He has his hand in his pockets. He has a, he's swaggering up there and he's just the audacity of this bitch. I am. <laughs> you see from like the fact that there's light on the top part of his chest and not on the bottom. It means his chest is puffed out. <laughs> That's how swaggery he is. Cocky <laughs> bastard. My goodness. Yeah, I love him. It's okay. I love him. <laughs> I never said I didn't. I love him too. <laughs> <sighs> yeah, the Kieran Simp Club. <laughs> Anywho, well, what are your final thoughts on this episode? Um, me, I, I like the, I like how I think, um, we saw her thought process or at least a good bit of it, like how she came to change her mind, come to her decision from going from it's over to, yep, I'm teaming up with a serial killer. Um, <laughs> I'm glad that we got to see that process because if it was just like a quick decision, it, it wouldn't have made sense and wouldn't have felt flat for the story. So I'm glad we got to see that. And then also like there's some pretty good Kieran shots in here. So I'm not complaining. <laughs> You voice in all my secret simp thoughts. I love that. <laughs> <laughs> but yes, I do agree. It's a it's a very brilliant episode to set up the way she's thinking and just how you can feel how desperate she is in this episode. Yep. And it's A plus, A plus storytelling. Brilliant is a great word for it. Yes. Yeah. And you already said like the main part. So I'll just end with something that. That, uh, that I like that is not what you already said um, I like the introduction of Uncle Tristan as a very competent person um, there's this you know in every story or in every life especially for these people their age there needs to be somebody who like is like the adult in charge and Tristan mm -hmm. very much has that aura of the adult in charge like you feel kind of safe when he comes in you feel like things are things are in control now I like that it's nice to see that yeah like our fate is entirely in Will and Kim's hands and, and Lauren because if they are we're all screwed <laughs> I mean yeah mm -hmm. yep well I'm super excited to do the next one because the next episode is ooh, awesome it's awesome thank so thank you so so much for coming on this is fantastic yeah thank you for having us yeah thank you I always enjoy it indeed yeah, it's fun it's the best I love it love dissecting it well thanks so much I'll see y'all later and yeah good night good night thanks bye Thank you so much to my current patrons, Susie, Lady Liberus, Alley Cat, Chelsea, Lily, Jenny, Haley, One and Only Taco, Elizabeth, Maria, Molly, Veronica, Emily, Emily, Joe Rochelle, Dahlia, Saucy Tuggles, Meg, Anne Rose, Priya, Stephanie, and Samantha. Your support is truly appreciated.